Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. Okay, so today we are talking about the different stories and things that we're loving lately. Um, and we are going to do these in two parts like we did last time. Mm-hmm. And so Laura is going to share with us today all the great things she's been yes. reading and learning from and enjoying lately. And I can't <laughs> wait to hear all about it. <laughs> I, I'm always so excited about these conversations because they're always, it's always fun to hear what's connecting and what's mm. interesting, but it's also fun to like go back over the yeah. last like period of time and be like, oh, oh yeah. what did I connect with? And then like refresh. That reminder of what's been really fun and kind of enjoyable. So the first one I'm going to talk about is actually the one I was most looking forward to. And that's uh, Better Hate Than Never by Chloe Lise. And it's interesting because it's a retelling of Taming of the Shrew, which is obviously problematic as a play. (laughs) There's a lot there that kind of now as we take some lenses to it I mean it was always there but I think looking at it from the perspective of women's voices Mm -hmm. and being how did you feel like she handled that I think she did it very well and I think the reason why she did is I think both characters were put a little more within they had similarities and differences to the character of Kate from Mm -hmm. Taming of the Shrew, mm-hmm. and she obviously was, I mean, Katerina is called Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, she removed some things, obviously, especially about the, like, putting your hand underneath, like, yeah. the, the foot and, like, the kneeling down and stuff like that. But it also felt to me like there was lots of things on both sides that needed fixing. She mm-hmm. drew that out. Um, yeah. Christopher Petruccio is the male lead, and we've seen him before. And I think she was really wise to set him up in the first book. So we mm. see him in... Two wrongs like a right. right. Yeah. Um, so we see him in his like as his best self, as mm. a supportive friend and as a caring one. And it's a good thing because we see him at his worst self at mm. the beginning of this one when, when Kate comes back. So Kate's a photographer who's been in Scotland. And they tend to stay away from each other because they can't really be in the same room without arguing. And it's on both sides, but he is actually the one who crosses over the line. And I Mm. think that was wise, too, Mm. that a lot of the antagonism is actually of his initial making due to Uh some of his baggage Mm. um, and his inability to be vulnerable and kind of open himself up. Uh And he kind of does things that kind of create a wedge and then her anger becomes really understandable um, because she has beliefs about how he feels Mm -hmm. that aren't completely true but are based on the way he's acting and he kind of has to work on his issues to get through that she obviously has issues of her own but it kind of flips a little bit of that yeah. Who is in the wrong here and who needs to 
in some ways who needs to kind of get vulnerable and open and mm. willing to put themselves on the line. And in yeah. the in the play you could argue that they both do, but I'd argue that Petruccio yeah, does yeah. not have as much development she's or change. Made out to see the yeah. Bag of yes. She yeah. she is the one who has to change. Which makes sense for the time period and yeah, the, manipulated yeah. into it. <laughs> and they took out a lot of the mani- manipulation, which mm. I think actually made sense in yeah. Two Wrongs Make a Right. Like and it's it's seen as a breach of trust. Yeah. In that if they were to do the manipulation here from the play, I think yeah. I think it wouldn't play and I yeah. think you wouldn't want them to be together. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this in this case, I think she does a great job of walking that line of kind of keeping you still on the side of the characters of still wanting them to be together even though you're like you need to work your crap out like (laughs) this is not cool and you together right now without making changes is really not the best um but it it was so fun and that's uh, it's why i it's why i read her like it's it's such a delight um we got to see Old, the old couple yeah. from the first, That's which was always nice. Mm-hmm. And kind of, it did a great job of weaving what happened before in. And even like, because then taming to the show, you do have like the dad and yeah. guys getting together and having a conversation. And she actually included that, but in a very different way. Like mm-hmm. it was actually about making things right rather than, Sending the guy in to be like, marry her and tame her. Um, So I I think it was one of those where it kept the kind of, it it was very much aware of its original material. And it loved aspects of it, I think. I think that she did a great job of using the name Kate at very specific times mm. that felt like it wasn't an accident. Yeah. But also, like, when he used the word Katarina, it had a feel, too. Mm. And I love that with the use of names. Yeah. yeah. Like, giving you options. So his name is Christopher, and it allowed her to say, like, to use a nickname for mm-hmm. him at a time that suggested that there was deeper care than we see. Yeah. And he uses Katarina in the same way, but also a nickname that we don't know at the very beginning that comes out later that obviously means something between mm. them. And I I think we forget the power of nicknames, of the, yeah. the meaning that when we say someone's name a certain way or yeah. in a shortening, like it does it does a lot for the intimacy of the connection and kind yeah. of giving you a history between them. Yeah. And I just really enjoyed that, and it obviously made me laugh out loud multiple times, which is really fun. So I'd highly recommend it. I think it was a really great retelling, uh, yeah. and that took a great lens to the original material. That makes me so excited. Yeah, read it. I can't wait to hear what you think. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll read it this week, actually. That makes me happy, too. <laughs> and the other one... It's also a retelling. It's it's funny because I was working on a writing project, and so I kind of had saved some things that I'm like, congratulations, you get to read them because you finished, <laughs> at least finished a draft. Um, so the other one is, I've talked about uh, Jasmine Guillory's um, By the Book, which is part of this overarching series. It's a meant-to-be um, 
book, and it's called Kiss the Girl, and it's by Zareda Cordova. It is a retelling of uh, The Little Mermaid, and it's hot. It's <laughs> great and hot, like without being like overly spicy. Yeah. It just does such a great job of really close connection while also having reasons to stay away from one another mm. so it's the story it's great when a book can get those like reasons right because sometimes yes. it can feel a little forced but... and this yeah. one has to do with promises and bets and mm. i i love it because there's a self-awareness yeah. that the characters have with the other characters that mm. That's why they have to be kept apart. So it's the the Ariel ca- character is Ariel Delmar, who is a pop star princess along with her sisters in the Siren <laughs> 7 singing group that has a dad who is the manager of the record label they are under and manages every aspect of her life. And yeah. so through a bunch of different things... There is a kind of running away from that, joining a tour <laughs> for a band called Starcrossed with the lead singer being Eric Reyes. Um, it is <laughs> delightful. Is yes, it, it is all about the tour across America. But they, the way that they meet is so. I don't want to give it away, so I'm not going to. But okay, don't it's give it away. So delightful how they meet. I love when an author can keep, like, so much the original, though, where they, like, keep the names or keep little, like, nods to the original that make you just, like, smile because, you know, like, gives you those happy feelings from watching the original or seeing the original. (laughs) Absolutely. And you'll know it quickly because it's given away, so I don't feel bad about saying this. She actually has, her actual name is, part of it is Melody, which Melody is the daughter from... (laughs) Mermaid too, and I just loved that they kept little moments like that. I mean, they they kept the little aesthetic things that just came in, things like sunsets and shells, and yeah. like a little fork type thing, like that's part trident, part fork, and then it's just that's fun. It's beautiful how it kind of keeps those things while also like stripping it Changing down. Things, yeah. And in the acknowledgments of this book, um, she was saying how she learned English by mm-hmm. watching the VHS over and over and over and Aww. over again. She's originally from Ecuador, the um, the author. And it, it is obvious how much this story meant. Hmm. But also she can take a great lens to it. Yeah, um, There's so much depth. She also loves music, obviously. Like, you can tell just how much depth there is to the tour and the band and the band is great like it's <laughs> such a great motley crew of characters that you know that found family yeah. of people that are so different it's it's just a delight and there's random things like one of the members of the band has a hamster and it's it, it's just it does such a great job of like mixing the the human aspects, but also kind of with the slightly like unbelievable stuff. Yeah. Um, and then she also like asks some questions and does some subversions of what your expectations are mm-hmm. with with power and with 
even what happens like ultimately it it asks yeah. some questions of the original tale that I think again come out of that love yeah. but also that questioning of what that story was that we were being told hmm. and how to tell it differently yeah it it wasn't one that felt like it it absolutely had a lot to dig into to add to take the original tale and make something very unique and fun Hmm. it was it was written in a way that is not as much my style i Hmm. but i loved it like Hmm. it it had so much depth to it that i really just enjoyed every minute in what way i'm curious Yeah. yeah so it was sometimes things are a lot more fleshed out in a scene mm-hmm. and it was a lot more it's it was more fleshed out than i would expect mm. a romance to tend to be yeah um and then some of it was a little more um it wasn't it wasn't spicy it had some sensuality but it wasn't like it was very subtle in it yeah. but it had it had moments like that that felt really kind of drawn out but hmm. I really enjoyed all of that hmm. I really even though it's probably more subtle in places or more even took maybe eight pages to do something that something uh-huh. I would typically like would take more like five uh-huh. I still really enjoyed that it was lush I would mm. say and that mm. lushness was actually really it suited it because yeah. of the fairy tale aspects I hmm. think and that it did add depth and nuance to even the settings of it. Um, it took a little longer to read than than typical with sure. romances, but I again I really enjoyed that. I think it suited what she was trying to say hmm. really well, hmm. especially because there's so many characters in it. Uh-huh. You have the sisters who bop in and out, um, and for a cast of so many characters. Hmm. She does such a great job of making them distinctive and making That's them feel, yeah. yeah. Each, especially with sisters, like when you have six sisters that you That's have to know the names right. of and right. that you've never heard the names of before and their yeah. distinctiveness. She does such a great job of bringing them in mm. at different times mm. and giving you little aspects of them, but also keeping certain aspects clear with each introduction yeah. so yeah. that you get oh, this is this one, this yeah. is that one. So you don't get confused or lost. Um, really well yeah. done. Yeah, we've talked about like the funny hats thing mm. before, yeah. but I think something I've been thinking about too is like you can't just give them a funny hat in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like You have to then keep it so that the, yes. the reader, it's the cue to the reader. It's yes. that anchor of like, oh yeah, this is this person. Absolutely. And it's funny that kind of, Harry Potter does that really well too that like mm. Snape always has the same description and then a yeah. thing happens and but it it's interesting how even having that be an aspect of their character like yeah. Sophia in is the oldest sister and you get that everyone would crowd into her dressing room and that definitely says something about her so yeah. it's both distinctive but it also is related to character as yeah, well yeah and she did a lot of things with that where it was kind of this is both a signify like a a signal that this yeah. is this person but it also like it means something, about, something. Yeah. and i thought that was a really good choice yeah. and even when similar things happen you kind of get again that 
priming of, yeah. oh, this is her and this is mm. what it kind of looks like. So that when things happen later on, it makes sense. Yeah. You get why. It was done in such a way with, I mean, I think total there are at least 12 main and secondary women characters and to juggle that many um which they come in and out in different points they all make sense and then they all mean something Mm. and that's the thing is like you have those connections that all have meaning and Mm. she pays them off really well i it Mm. was yeah it was so well done um well also just being really really self-aware really connected both to the flavors of the original but the flavor of what it does a tour type of thing look like a band story look like of a rock band and she also something that we've talked about before she has a tour list so we have Mm. the dates and she mentions them several times in certain points which i think does such a great job of especially when you have yeah this six weeks of touring to give you yeah Yeah. an idea of where everything is where they're going and even in the beginnings of the chapter she gives you the date and location and Mm. i just think that was brilliant especially when you jump from one city to another you so helpful for the reader to like orient them yeah absolutely and then in addition to that similarly to um uh funny you should ask um she does such a great job with like social media Mm. headlines and article titles that actually give you information of Mm. what's out there and going on in the social media landscape especially when you have a pop star who is missing it was really a delight and they have this ongoing thing of a podcaster like the transcripts from a podcast and it Uh means something it's funny because it's a reference to Scuttle, which you gotta love. Um, especially like Scuttle telling, yeah. saying things that may or may not be true. Like it was that just added kind of this other delightfully self-aware element. So yeah. highly recommend it. I highly recommend the series in general. I, again, I really loved by the book, which was the Beauty and the Beast one mm-hmm. by Jasmine Guillory. There's also uh, if the shoe fits by. Julie Murphy, which I'm going to be reading hopefully in the near future, and there's one of Tangled that's going to be coming out by Christina Lauren um, next year. So it, it's a great and interesting and growing kind of series of books by different authors, and I'm just really enjoying it. Yeah, I always think that's interesting when authors write in the same series like that, but different authors. Yes. It's kind of like co-writing, but sort of a different feel because it's everyone's doing their own thing, but yes. it also kind of yeah, it's interesting. It feels uniquely cohesive, yeah. but but it also allows each author to come in and give their own spin on a yeah, story, yeah. which they absolutely are. Yeah. Um, they absolutely could fit within the same world, but they're absolutely distinctive, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And this is connected to Hyperion, which is connected to Disney, so it's definitely connected with them. They are putting it out there. Yeah. Um, so they're probably allowed a lot of license in terms of uni- using things from the Disney films um, and very closely and directly referencing. Yeah. Um, kind of carte blanche on that, yeah. and they absolutely take advantage of that. But I I do love that it obviously has a similar like feel in terms of what 
kind of instructions that they yeah. have, but it's absolutely distinctive to each author. And that's been just a delight to see what they each do with it. Yeah. yeah. I'm right now in the process and I, I'm not going to talk too much about it other than like two things. Um, in, I'm in the process of reading Frankly in Love by David Yoon. Um, and so far I am just laughing out loud and enjoying it so much. So I, I'd highly recommend checking it out. Um, even from just like the first hundred pages, it's, it is, it's something that from the first page, like you get the tone and, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's something that's not, it sets you, it's not a part of a chapter. Uh It's almost like an opening. It's not even like a prologue or anything like that, but it, it sets you in the mindset (laughs) and, it really gets you into the head of the character mm. and yet it also kind of builds the world a little bit. It is, it's a delightful, it's like, an epigraph, or like what? well, it's a, it's a, it's a Y romance about, uh, an American Korean boy. Mm-hmm. So he's, I think he's first generation and he, He's talking about his names, and he has two mm. of them. And he's talking about kind of the the push and pull of that, of having yeah. an American name and a Korean name, and what they, like, the word letters and what they mean uh-huh. and why. And it gives a lot about who he is. Hmm. Um, it's just in this kind of standalone type of thing, almost like an introduction. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, I loved it. It yeah, gives cool. you that's such a great, like, setting in the tone before the story actually starts. You get kind yeah. of this beautiful little backstory about him and his names. And yeah. I I really was here hmm. for that, even just getting into the head of the character. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. Subtle, funny, wry, funny, but... Mm-hmm. but and it's thoughtful. Like, it's so rare to find something that, that reads fast, but... It's and it's bantery and, and funny, but it's yeah. still really layered and thoughtful, mm-hmm. and it takes a lens to things, and it actually doesn't mind addressing things yeah. head on. Yeah. Um, and and I am just really connecting with that yeah. ability to dig deep quickly. Yeah, it feels magic. Yeah. So I am <laughs> also reading things that I love and the first one I'm going to talk about is um, The Art of Noticing by Rob Walker and it's funny because this book I picked up a long time ago and it has um, 131 ways to spark creativity find inspiration and discover joy in the everyday it's all about the difference between looking and seeing and Mm. it gives you things to do that can help with your being grounded in the moment and seeing and noticing and not just looking at something and not taking it in almost looking like acting like a tourist but Mm. in your everyday Mm. and we've talked about when you have a very specific thing that you're trying to do like how when you have parameters when you have like an actual goal it's easier to do something and this is what the art of noticing is Mm. like it gives you different activities different things you can look for one of them is like whenever you're somewhere looking for security cameras or (laughs) looking for and 
and even just coming up with a list of when yeah. you're in a space looking for telephones that are there but are no longer uh-huh. used. Um, one was going on a color walk and notice what colors you notice mm-hmm. and when and mm-hmm. what colors like shout out to you and then what ones take longer uh-huh. to reach your notice and I loved this as a practice mm-hmm. um, and I'm still going through them like every day I kind of read one or two yeah. and kind of just try to bring it into my conscious awareness because yeah. it's really all about paying attention paying attention to different things mm. um within the space uh, you know it is a lot of those kind of more mindfulness type things yeah. of the you know even the process of doing the five four three two one yeah. of the like w- five things that you see you know f- four things that you hear like doing that practice but in different and very specific ways mm. um one of the ones, you know, is one of the ones that I recently looked at. It was about listening deeply and paying mm. attention to, like, the sounds of, beneath the sounds, mm. um, the things that you hear but are kind of... Background noise. Yeah, yeah. you filter out. Yeah. Because um, we do filter out so much. Um, I'm just going to read the little front because I really liked what was said um, in the introduction. So this is the just the first page of the Artem Dota scene. Um, Pay attention, Susan Sontag once advised a young audience. She was speaking of the creative process, but also of living. It's all about paying attention. It's all about taking in as much of what's out there as you can and not letting the excuses and the dreariness of some of the obligations you'll soon be incurring narrow your lives. Attention is vitality. It connects you with others. It makes you eager. Stay eager. Mm-hmm. And to it says, like, it goes on, that's the end of the quote, but it says, to stay eager, to connect, to find interest in the everyday, to notice what everybody else overlooks, these are vital skills and noble goals. They speak to the difference between looking and seeing, between hearing and listening, between accepting what the world presents and noticing what matters to you. This is important. It is also delightful. And it's the soul of this book. (laughs) And what's beautiful about it, it's a huge combination of different artists from so many different areas. It does, like, there's some that speak to the art of writing um, or craft of writing. If they have one that's like, look for the plot. So you go into a space, and if this were a heist movie, like who would be like <laughs> doing the heist? Who would be the one who's like being the hero? Like uh-huh. the stories that we tell ourselves in a space, and kind yeah. of bringing things like that out. And I do think, as a practice, the more we practice it, the more we see, and the yeah. more that we really connect deeply. With the important things, and even I was revisiting the my words for this year. I was just gonna say I keep thinking it back to like your <laughs> goal or hope yes. for the year, and that idea of being present and like grounded in the moment. Absolutely, yeah, and that I think of that a lot. Intention mm-hmm. and attention. Yeah. It was funny as I was prepping for this. It was one of those kind of 
self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm. And I actually think that that's the power of setting those intentions and those words is because when we say them and put them out, we do tend to lean into the things that actually will get us the things that we've already say that we intend. And I I do feel like this practice is like right within the wheelhouse of that. Um, But I, I think it also has helped with noticing even like from a writing perspective of like, what is the important thing Hmm. here? Hmm. Like, what is the important thing within this scene? Yeah. And what is just, what is just filler? And what is just, you know, yes, I I know what is there, but does that matter? Like, um, and so I I think that as a practice, it's really been interesting and kind of growing that even the intuition or the, the weighing of what has, Significance, maybe the yeah. conviction around what has significance um, based on intention. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been fantastic. I'd highly recommend it, even just to go through one, even once a week, and kind of bring something yeah. in, or or even creating your own. And that I think has been really useful too, mm-hmm. especially when I'm trying to do a specific thing yeah. of reminding myself, oh, you can create that intention of what to look for and what mm-hmm. to pay attention to, what to listen for, and what what to bring in from a site perspective, yeah. from a even what you want to bring in from a color perspective, that color walk was really fascinating because... Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it really it really connected with some of the things that you take for granted yeah. about, like, what's around you. Like, we yeah. see in color. Sure. And yet, sometimes it's <laughs> like you're focusing on very specific things or you almost even become colorblind to it or even nose blind to, you know, yeah. nose blind, um, to something or like not be able to listen. Like, um, it's, that's been fascinating. So yeah. it's kind of opened it up. It sounds that. really interesting. Yeah. Highly recommend. That's cool. <laughs> and then the other one, um, from a craft perspective is 10 things about writing by Joanne Harris. Um, and it's another one I'm going through slowly. And she's author who wrote Chocolat, which then became Chocolat the movie. Mm. Um, she did a bunch of different texts, uh, Twitter, sorry, Twitter um, tweets uh-huh. on just craft things. And hmm. then they took those tweets, or she took those tweets, put them together in little groupings. And we, we hmm. talked about kind of the, uh, I think it was the, James Scott Bell's the yeah, um, kind of combination just, of things. Yeah, we talked about it just last time. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but yeah, yeah it was it's like a hundred and idea, like a bunch of thirty-one yeah, something. something like that. Um, and this is very similar <laughs> in that you could at random go in and choose mm-hmm. a section and read it and read it really quickly. Like each section is pretty much like two to uh-huh. four pages, um, and within it, it has you know maybe ten things uh, mm-hmm. on each different sections so style plot it it is lovely and i just i love the format because it gives you great potent things in a very stripped down tweety way where it's like every word counts but it also kind of gives a lot of great information it's Mm. not nothing is there that doesn't have 
some really good point mm. to it, but a kind of quick and potent thing. And yeah. I just, I've been really... I love craft books yeah. like that, that you can just, yeah, sit, pick up and read a chapter and they're short and yes. it's like just a good... Even when it's things that you already know or, yeah. you know, like it's just that good reminder to like yes. keep things fresh in your head and yeah. There's so much power in that. The mm-hmm. the reminding, because yeah. we know, we might know something, but that doesn't mean that we actively use it. it. Yeah. yeah. And I think the more we, we remind ourselves, yeah. the more likely we are to start putting it into yeah. our practice and our process. Even just... At night, reading one page has been just so delightful. Um, she also has, she has a really great way of putting things, which I think also makes it interesting. Yeah, <laughs> which if yeah, it was if it was really dry, it wouldn't necessarily wouldn't work. Read the same way. Yeah, but yeah. she has such a great way of putting things in a way that you haven't heard before, but in a way that even if it's something that you've heard, kind of forces you to look at it from a slightly different point of view. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would highly recommend that as well. Check out. Um, it's been really good. And then, of course, because I can't help myself, um, <laughs> I have to talk about a couple um, different things that we've been watching. And one of them I wanted to talk about just very briefly and quickly was actually Loki season two, which just came out. We just started watching. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry if, if we disagree on what's <laughs> being said. Um, I actually think that is... We only watched the first one. Yeah, and I only have two. Yeah. But the first one, I felt Mm -hmm. like it's one of those that kind of squandered the momentum it had going Mm -hmm. into it. Mm -hmm. Um, With long scenes. And it's such a weird, jarring Mm -hmm. thing to go from something that was so taut and, and moved with such, like deftness I would Mm. say through things and through great writing kind of squander a lot of the tension in it by just it it was interesting even though like jumping around kind of lost its kind of joy I think and interestingness because you didn't get anything (laughs) for for the longest time and I just find it very interesting, and I'm, I'm going to keep watching. Um, yeah. I don't know what the rest of it is going to be, but it was just kind of one of those jarring things that I almost wish that it could exist in a world without season one, so I could really get a feeling of mm. just what it is. Uh-huh. But it's since it's following that, it's very interesting to see just how that jarringness, I think, yeah. led to it kind of not having as much magic as the as yeah. the first season yeah well and it felt a little like i don't know how to say this but it felt like there was a little bit of a promise at the end of the yeah first season that yes. was like horrible but also like i'm excited Amazing, about this right like, that was a great ending like yes but also in the kind of way that makes you like yes. no. Ah. and then they sort of just they, solved that right away yeah. <laughs> like well, didn't, they they retconned it, yeah, right? Like yeah. they they gave you one interpretation, yeah, and then they took it away, yeah. And that's always disappointing when this it is. the it's like, yeah yeah. It's almost like a cop out a little it bit is. too. Yeah, it's like you made this too easy for yourselves. Yeah, it, <laughs> and for your character. 
Yes. And what's interesting is the other interesting thing is the showrunner had, le- had left. Like she, the first oh, showrunner who did the writing and did the directing, she had gone. So they mm-hmm. swapped. Um, so you feel the difference. And yeah. I think executives don't understand the difference between that, that we can yeah. feel it. Yeah. Like we feel what changed, mm-hmm. even if we don't have the ability to verbalize yeah i don't think it's terrible but it, yeah i still enjoyed it and yeah. i'll watch more too but yeah it, it was a little not like oh yeah and, and i think leaning into the thing that's really hard and that would really force you to get really honest with the characters yes yeah and honest about what who these characters would be in a different world yeah that really intrigued me yeah especially with who those two characters could be that would potentially be in another yeah. world. Yeah. I, I, I am sad. I am disappointed for the, the loss, yeah. I think, of that. Yeah, I agree. And it really made me think of different ones that did that better, which mm. we'll talk about later. But I, it's interesting to kind of think about what are your promises? What is your motivation? Where yeah. is your tension? And if you squander it, yeah. like if you, if you don't really, you know, if you kind yeah. of half-hearted <laughs> retcon, and I feel like in many ways Rise of Skywalker did the same thing, mm-hmm. where you lost kind of the excitement and interest of certain ideas. Yeah. And I think the last time I felt that was in the retconning of Ray's backstory. It wouldn't be a bad backstory, but we were promised something different. We were yeah. promised something that wasn't connected to legacy. Yeah. And to then have that pull, pulled away was really disappointing. So, mm. yeah, it was interesting, though. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I look forward to, like, continuing yeah. to research, like, within myself even, to, to see where I'm disappointed mm-hmm. in it or what I find intriguing and interesting about it, since I loved the first season mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And then... Um, <laughs> I watched the movie The Creator. Um, by, on your birthday. On my birthday. <laughs> which was a delight. It was something that wasn't really on my radar. Mm-hmm. Gareth Edwards, um, who I think wrote and directed it. He also did Star Wars Rogue One, which is one of my favorite Star Wars movie movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about AI, but it's about humanity. Like, mm-hmm. it feels... It feels coded a bit like the Vietnam War. And uh-huh. I, Aaron and I both came away with that feeling of it. Yeah. I think it was really a fascinating study of what we see as other and what we see as ourself. Mm-hmm. And when that is all of a sudden challenged and we see ourselves in, in the other, yeah. um, it, it really explores the emotionality of it. It's not a perfect story, Um it's John David Washington's in it and Gemma Chan, and they do such a great job with mm. with what's there. I think elevating it even beyond the writing in it, um, mm. it's just so soulfully and emotionally developed. I cried about three times in this, and there's one part that I cried significantly huh. in, um, which like there was just such a connectedness yeah. that I think even overcoming some some even cliches within it. I think it definitely kind of harkened back to things like um, there's 
a movie called District 9 that kind of looks at aliens in this in a similar way mm-hmm. aliens as refugees and um, the animatrix does a similar thing it's a animated series that looks at everything from the matrix before it like mm-hmm. became the matrix and um, machine rights within that it, it just asks a lot of questions and I think by putting it about AI, they allow themselves a little bit of arm's length of yeah, the conversation. Sure. But it's it is beautifully done and beautifully acted, and even just digging into, um, I find it fascinating that something where you can sit and and know where it's going, yeah, but where you can hit the emotional notes so well that you're like. But I don't mind. Yeah, like, yeah it doesn't mind. I don't mind. I'm yeah. here for it. And there's there's this little girl in it who is just impeccable. Um, so if you're looking for something kind of science fictiony that feels a little different and a little emotionally grounded, it's definitely I'd highly recommend it. And so that's the creator. Um, and one of the last things I wanted to say, kind of as part of this. I often kind of talk about film as well, but I just mm-hmm. thought I've been looking a lot at video essays, mm-hmm. um, which do different things. Look at the writing in different stories yeah. um, across the board, but also like look at what our stories say and what what dialogue says and what jokes we include. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this great uh, YouTuber called Pop Culture Detective. Mm. And he does a lot of looking at misogyny hiding yeah. in plain sight and w- how we normalize um, kind of voyeurism and uh-huh. the rape jokes that um, are about men yeah. and things like that that really ask us questions. And the way I found him is he also loves everything everywhere all at once, which is one of my favorite films. And he talks about the lead male character mm-hmm. in it, Wayman Wang. Um, and he just makes a lot of really great points. And I, I think stepping back from the stories we tell and seeing yeah. like, what, what do we as a society allow and what, what can we question? Like, yeah. what can we question about what is in there and what jokes are allowable? And, like really kind of stepping back even yeah. with our male characters and how they're like how they have to be strong and why yeah. and um questioning like are they allowed to cry and it, it it's it is fascinating mm-hmm. and I love his stuff and the other one I wanted to talk about well okay two <laughs> so um three <laughs> so the take is it's a group of two, I think two women, but they also have other contributors who uh-huh. like go into pop culture and uh-huh. they do everything from Barbie to like the Kardashians. They do a lot of in-depth digging into, mm-hmm. they're very well sourced and they, it's just a delight to hear what they have to say about mm-hmm. different stories, why certain stories work and what s- certain things are saying um, yeah. and how they say them. Um, I just am such a fan. Um, they have some great stuff. I'll I'll put links to a video of each of these that I love and <laughs> that I think awesome. are good to watch. Yeah. Um, then cinema therapy, which max like it matches a therapist, which with a director. They are oh, friends, and they look at a film uh-huh. from the story perspective, but also from the 
therapy purposes. Oh, that's too. Like the psychology yeah. of a character. And they do a great series on Marvel. They, huh. they do. I recently watched one on the Matrix trilogy. It's fascinating. I'm so highly That's recommend that yeah and then the last one is just right and um which right is w-r-i-t-e and he did he's done so many great things that i really enjoy but there's one that both aaron and i funny enough like stumbled across separately (laughs) on actually the pirates of the caribbean trilogy Uh and it unpacks a lot of what the stories do and why Mm -hmm. everyone thinks the first one's the best Mm -hmm. and but also, like, what the questions are within the second and third one yeah. and kind of digging into the arcs and the emotional endings for the characters. Hmm. Um, it's His stuff is so... It's just so well-researched, put together. It's a joy to watch. Like, you sit there That's and cool. 20 minutes disappears. And hmm. especially for a story you already connect with, yeah. um, he does a great job of taking those what's happening in the screenplay because he definitely unpacks the depth of the writing the depth Mm. of the actual stories that we're seeing yeah um and there's a lot there that i think about character development is really fascinating about dialogue that's really fascinating and i highly recommend that too so yay (laughs) that's good because i've finished all of the um or I think I finished all of the master class on writing yeah. one, so I need need more uh, yes writing tutorial and videos. So there you yes, go. Uh, lessons from the screenplay is also really good, and that mm-hmm. one goes into the depth of different screenplays. There's a Jurassic Park mm-hmm. one that's really good. Mm-hmm. I will also include that one as well. Um, awesome. Because there's a lot of things that, especially about choices that are made yeah. about. Even if we write books at a slightly different pace than a screenplay, Mm -hmm. there's so much there that I think is really useful about what a scene does. And when you see something and break that down, there's a lot of lessons that translate. So I'll I'll definitely pass them on. Very cool. Well, thank you, Laura, for um, adding more things to my DVR. Here you go. (laughs) Have fun. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode and that you got some good ideas for things to check out uh, and that you keep reading and writing and absorbing stories in all kinds of ways and putting your voice out into the world. 